This is The Winner's Take with host Nelson Rowley Raisbeck and professional sports handicapper Dave Essler. Welcome into Winner's Take. As always, I'll be your host, Nelson Rowdy Raisbeck, uh, joined by professional sports better Dave Essler. You want to find any of our work, you can go to the old Twitter.com. I'm on there at Rowdy underscore Razor. You can find Dave at Dave underscore Essler. You can also find some of his work at pregame.com. Dave, I'm going to go back to our recap. We started the month of June out one and two on our official plays. You split yours one and one. I went and took the offer. Uh, we'll see if we can get back on the good foot and uh, win some games here at the end. But, Dave, I think we're going to continue to talk about some Major League Baseball games, not only as we record this as it's Monday, June 5th. We're going to give out games for Major League Baseball for Monday, June 5th. We're going to give out the majority of the slate for Tuesday, June 6th. Talk a little bit about the NBA series prices. I know you have some uh, NFL and college football props that you want to get into. So uh, got a lot to talk about. Let's dive right into Major League Baseball here. Again, we're recording this. It's Monday. It's June 5th. Go right into the first one here. Dave, it's a 6.05 Central Time first pitch. Oakland Athletics taking on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, What are you thinking in this one, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I really wanted to take the Oakland run line uh, and or the over, and you could still find some eight and a halfs out there, uh, but I can't trust the the A's uh, bullpen. Um, And the Pirates, they've done well against lefties. They're uh, 63% 63% of their games uh, they've won, and, and 60% of those have gone over. So I think it almost looks a little too easy. Uh, so let's let's back up the turnip truck here for a minute. Look at it this way, Nelson. Is any pitcher with a whip of 1.84 over his last seven starts a minus 180 pitcher? And, you know, good luck to you if you say yes, but J.P. Sears is the better pitcher. He just held the Braves uh, and other, another team, the Hammers lefties, to one run over six innings. He did the same thing to start prior at Seattle. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'll, I'll gladly take the A's run line for the first five innings. That's exactly what I did here, Dave, and I actually gave that out on the morning show this morning as one of my favorite picks for tonight. I got the A's on the run line. I actually bet it last night at uh, plus money. I think that's now since flipped. But, yeah, I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. J.P. Sears is arguably – Oakland's best starting pitcher though that's not saying a ton but he has thrown the ball pretty well here in the month of June and you know you just look at it this Pittsburgh's team was not supposed to be a contender we're still early enough in the season where we don't know I I think officially if if Pittsburgh really is a contender for a legitimate playoff spot and Aviedo was nobody until this year where he started throwing okay I think there's definitely some room for aggression, and if we uh, if we take out the bullpens, I think that uh, the Oakland first five on the run line is what I want to do. And I, I got a question for you because Oakland is so bad, and everything is out there about how they are on pace to be the worst team in Major League Baseball. They're tanking, they're leaving, and when I say worst team in Major League Baseball, I'm talking ever for a 162 game season. But at some point we're probably going to want to start to get on the A's because it's going to be uh, they're going to be undervalued. And I feel like when J.P. Sears pitches and when Paul Blackburn pitches, those are the guys where you might want to maybe jump a little bit more onto the A's. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't doubt it. I mean, they're clearly going to be undervalued. I mean, they, they coughed one up in Miami yesterday, but they did start hitting a little bit. And, you know, Sears is one of those guys that, uh, you know, his whip's just a little over one, uh, and he's striking out a little less than a batter an inning. So, I mean, how do you not uh, at least look at him? I mean, you know, if it was that easy, and like I said, you know, is is uh, Oviedo a minus 180 pitcher? No. And actually, I think that opened closer to minus 200. So I think we have some other shop guys that might agree with us there. All right. So there we go. At some point, it's going to be profitable to bet on the A's, most likely. Uh, looking at our second game for the Monday slate today, going to go to a 7.05 Central Time first pitch. It's going to be the St. Louis Cardinals taking on the Texas Rangers. Adam Wainwright on the bump for the Cardinals. You got Martin Perez on the mound for Texas. Dave, when I saw you wanted to talk about this one, huge thumbs up for me because this was another one that I gave out this morning. Well, we probably aren't on the same page, but you know, I think instinctively people are going to want to bet the over because they assume Wainwright's done uh, and the Rangers because they're rolling it in first place. I mean, I- I'm not so sure the Rangers win. Uh, or it goes over the total. The better seem to think right now, uh, and that's the majority. So, you know, that's the square side. Uh, and they may be right. Uh, but I looked at that, you know, I think the Rangers are roughly minus 135. And, you know, you would think they'd be more, uh, but they're not. And what I am willing to do here is take the Texas team total over five and a half at plus money. I, I could have had four and a half. I was asleep with a switch. So, uh, you know, to probably land five. But even if they don't get to Wainwright, and I think they will, uh, the Cardinals' bullpen has an ERA of 5.95 over the last week. Uh, and that includes a series against the Pirates and the Royals. So, I mean, it's not like they play the Yankees and the Dodgers. Uh, the reason I don't love the Rangers here is if the Cardinals are going to hit, uh, it's oftentimes against the lefty. But then I look at and, and Perez has always been an enigma to me. So I just wasn't going to go there on the side. Uh, I like the Rangers' team total over. Well, I told you I like to go through them and I like to write it on paper so I have everything in front of me. I circled it for you, if you can see, the St. Louis-Texas. I took the under for the game total, under 10. And the reason why I went there, it's kind of like what you said. The obvious thing to do was take the over. Texas, I mean, it's all over. I think they score about 10 runs by themselves a game. The Cardinals got a good offense. Uh, the Cardinals bullpen is is average at best. Texas's isn't very good. That has just everything under the sun for an over, and that's exactly why I'll take the under because it seems like that's way too easy. Wainwright has been a little bit better as of late. Martin Perez has been pretty good at home this year. Uh, I ended up uh, writing down the under 10 for a total between the Cardinals and the Rangers. Yeah, I mean, I can totally see that. I mean, it's a very – it's a sharp bat, no doubt about it. Um, and I haven't checked the weather in Texas, but one thing to note for future references, the way the wind swirls in that stadium, um, when it's blowing out, it's really blowing in. I mean, it's not 100% or 180, but um, oftentimes I found value there where the wind's blowing out, so the total uh, goes up even another half run, and and the way Globe Life is, it's not always uh, as you see it. So I, I got I, your weather here for you. About okay. eight degrees tonight yeah. with a wind of about five miles an hour blowing in, and it looks like it's blowing in from about right field. Yeah, and then it's pretty neutral for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. Um, you know, we'll be rooting for uh, Texas to win 
uh, six to nothing, and then we'll both be good. All right, so that will conclude the Monday, June 5th slate. Let's move to Tuesday, June 6th here. First game that we're going to talk about is actually going to be my Milwaukee Brewers, and they're going to be playing the Baltimore Orioles. This one is in Milwaukee. Uh, looking at it here, first pitch set for 640. You have Kyle Gibson on the mound for the Orioles, Freddie Peralta on the mound for the Brewers. Before we start talking about this, I feel like every time we do a Brewer game, Freddie Peralta is pitching. Yeah, well, yeah, and Freddie Peralta is one of those guys that kind of owns me, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, you know, the Brewers play the Reds tonight, and for what it's worth, I, I love the Reds' first five tonight. I mean, that kid Abbott's a stud. He is left-handed. I'm not scared of his inexperience, and I won't bore you with his minor league stats, which are absolutely ridiculous. Um, and, you know, Kyle Gibson and Peralta actually own me. I rarely get either one of them right. Um, but Freddie has been giving up the long ball, and the Orioles will be a little rested. Um, but I don't think their pen can be trusted for a full game bet right now. I mean, Gibson is a ground ball pitcher. He does keep it in the park. He is four and one on the road. And I think what I'm going to do here is take the Orioles for the first five innings, Nelson. So I looked at it, and it's not one that I feel super confident in. But Kyle Gibson has been pitching really, really well. You could argue that this could be his best career year. On the flip side, Freddie Peralta is normally pretty good at home. I know he did get touched up a few times here as of late, but then he came back with a quality start his next outing. I looked at it. I wrote down potentially maybe a first five under with this total sitting at eight and a half. And one thing that I kind of like, and we've talked about it before, if you go to Freddie Peralta, the one thing where he gets hit kind of hard is he will give up home runs. And if you go to his stats, he's given up 10 home runs so far this year, 10. And, you know, that's it's almost one per start. And I started digging through Baltimore's team. I kind of want to just maybe just throw a little bit on Adley Rushman to hit a home run. Uh, he's not necessarily their biggest slugger, but I went through it. He's one of their top home run hitters, and he has a significant uh, splits against right-handed pitching as he is a switch hitter, and most of his average and or power numbers come against righties. Like I said, he's a left-hander. He's going to be hitting left-handed against Freddie Peralta, who throws right-handed. American Family Field now is set up for more left-handed power hitters, so I would Sprinkle a little bit on Adley Rushman, home run stat. Yeah, I, I didn't dig that deep, but it makes sense to me. Um, and I do tend to agree with your under. I think that was my my plan B if I didn't like the Orioles first, Bob. So that is our first game for the Tuesday night slate. The second game we're going to look at, it's actually going to be a 620 Central Time first pitch. This one will be on TV, TBS. Mets are going to be traveling to Atlanta to take on the Braves. You got Carlos Carrasco on the mound for the Mets. Bryce Elder on the mound for the Braves. This Bryce Elder kid's been pretty darn good this year. Yeah, he has. And, you know, I know betters are going to be all over Bryce Elder and the Braves. I mean, what's interesting about Elder is he's had 11 starts this year. His record is 3-0 and with eight no decisions, including the last five straight. So, I mean, that makes me at least hesitate a little bit. Um, but we don't think the Mets are going to let up the scoreboard. Um, and Carrasco has been surprisingly good his last two starts. I don't know if I can count on that kind of production again, um, even against a team like Atlanta that would probably prefer to hit a lefty. Um, I, I can't bet on it, 
but I can bet that it'll be at least respectable. So I think what I'm going to do here is take the first five under, my friend. See, it we're, we're on somewhat of the same wavelength. Uh, Bryce Elder has been really good, like you mentioned, and he's been really good against pretty much everyone, but he's really not been seen by anyone going into this season. And the Mets are kind of in that same category. This is really their first look of him this year. Uh, Carlos Carrasco, longtime Indian, now obviously in the NL East. A lot of the Braves really haven't seen a ton of Carrasco. And like you said, he's pitched pretty well here the last couple times out, maybe knocking off some of the rust because he has been oft injured here lately and, and towards the end of his career here. And both of these teams get the day off. The, the Braves bullpen has looked much better as of late. Mets bullpen is eh. But with that day off, uh, they're going to have every arm available. I actually looked, and with the total being at nine and a half, I think I might uh, lean with this one going under the nine and a half total. Yeah, I could totally see that. I mean, you know, the, the Braves are probably going to win. Uh, so you're you're getting uh, 118th of your bet already won or about 6% uh, because they probably won't bat in the bottom of the ninth. So you got to leg up, and I don't disagree. Now, looking to our final Major League Baseball game for the slate of uh, June 6th, that's the Tuesday. Last one we're going to go to, it's going to be the Houston Astros traveling to Toronto to take on the Blue Jays. Uh, in this one, we have Hunter Brown on the mound for the Astros, and we have Kevin Gossman on the hill for the Blue Jays. Dave, this was probably the one game we went through where it was like, man, uh, I, don't, I don't have a ton for this one. Yeah, I mean, you know, this one took a little work. I mean, you got two good teams, but, you know, Houston's finally healthy and they're winning. But the bullpen's showing some cracks in the last week or so, and that could be because they played four games against the Angels, who they're pretty familiar with, with Houston's bullpen. Um, you know, and as teams are getting a book on Brown, he looks to be regressing somewhat. I mean, I hate to use, you know, people regressing. I mean, he's not, he doesn't suck, but maybe somewhat, um, at least enough to look at Toronto. Um, I lean Houston actually tonight being Monday, uh, but that will have bearing on my ultimate, if any, bet tomorrow. But taking that one step further, I do love what the Toronto pen has done lately. And then, of course, then there's Gaussman. And, you know, for me, for whatever reason, I can't get past his days in Baltimore when he threw batting practice. But, you know, he's had just two games where he got hit badly this year, both on the road. One of those was at Houston. And, you know, I love my rematches to go the other way. So barring anything, any BS on Monday night that affects Tuesday, I will be betting the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, I actually, the what I wrote down was Toronto in the first five. And I, I kind of saw the same things that you did. Uh, Hunter Brown seems to be regressing a little bit or – like you said, they're getting a book on him because his month of May was much different than his first month of April. And Kevin Gossman is is a longtime vet. Uh, this is a guy, yeah, he's been around. They might have seen him more, but they blew him up earlier this year, like you also mentioned. And I kind of just wanted to take out the bullpens just in general because Houston's is better than than Toronto. So I just played it kind of straight up forward. Give me a Toronto in the first five. Yeah, I don't doubt it. I mean, I looked at that, too, and then I looked at, I think, you know, again, barring tonight, barring Monday night, uh, the, the, the Blue Jays have a significantly better bullpen, at least lately. And when I look at bullpens, I look at, like, recently. I mean, I don't care what they did in, in April 
in the first week of April. I care what they're doing now. And lately, Toronto's bullpen has been unbeatable. So I got a question for you, Dave. You said that you still kind of remember Kevin Gossman as the guy in, in Baltimore that threw batting practice. How long did it take you to change your tune on another guy that used to throw batting practice for Baltimore but turned into a pretty darn good one, Jake Arrieta? Um, I didn't know that I ever did because, <laughs> you know, he went to the Cubs. He was pitching in a small ballpark. And, yeah, there was another guy that um, I probably lost every game I bet that he was involved in. I was almost always wrong. I just remember he was a guy that had a big overhand curveball when he was with the the Orioles, and it was like, man, this guy seems like he has good stuff, but he just gets hammered every time he throws. And then, yeah, Cubs trade, and he's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he was another guy. I mean, there's a litany of people that I just uh, – I, I either don't bet in their games or I'm very tentative and make sure I do 100% of the work. But even then, I will be – I would admit – hundred percent that sometimes I'll make the numbers say what I want them to because liars figure and figures lie and it's pretty easy to do. So I, I tend to avoid those guys if I can. All right, Dave, let's switch it up here and let's look at the NBA finals. Obviously so far when we're recording this, you had one, one, the heat won last night, even the series up. Now that's what I wanted to ask you about. So at the beginning when this opened, I remember seeing the Denver Nuggets favored to win the series minus 400. Now, I believe we recorded like the day before or the day of or the day before game one. And that price went from Nuggets minus 400 to Nuggets minus the 460. Well, after after that game one win by the Nuggets, that price was Nuggets minus 800. Uh, you could have got a hell of a comeback on the Miami Heat, and I think it was around plus 600 or so. Now, after the Miami Heat have won, it's evened up 1-1. Nuggets now favored to win the series, minus 270, kickback on Miami, plus 220. Is this something where you might monitor these just in general during the series and say, hey, if I can grab this at a number, all right, let's do it. Like uh, I might grab the Heat after losing game one at the plus 600 but you already bet the the Nuggets here now at minus 270. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I actually – I do have a live bet on the Heat. I think I took them at, at uh, plus 700 a little bit ago. Maybe it was before they beat Boston, I think, or game six or game seven. So I'm already sitting on that ticket. Now, I'm looking at it here. I mean, I, I don't want to lay minus two whatever. I mean, if people haven't learned by now, don't bet against the Heat. I mean – you know, game one was the outlier and, and all of Denver's losses have come on the road in the playoffs. So I'm actually looking to be in a position. I can, I want the heat uh, to win uh, game three on, on uh, a game. Yeah. Game three, because then there's a likelihood. I don't know that they'll be favored, but I'll get a much better price on Denver. And then I would maybe take Denver um, and maybe, maybe have some equity and assure myself a little bit of profit and, the reason I would do that now is, you know, these seven-game series used to be 2-3-2. Two, two. And I, I think that was really bad for the team in the middle that had, they, you know, the, the team that had three home games right in a row. I mean, they had no margin for error because then they'd have to go back on and win two games on the road. And now they've rectified that. So I actually um, – I give the Nuggets a better, a better chance in that format uh, because they've, you know, they've already shown they can murder the Heat. They won't make the mistakes like they did in the last game. I mean, I think that last game was an anomaly. I mean, how does Denver 
uh, lose the fourth quarter by 11 points at home, which they did last night. So, yes, uh, to your point, yes. And I'm, I'm hoping in this case Miami will win so I can get Denver at a good price and then not really care much after that. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't really have anything for game three, which would be Wednesday night. I just kind of well, want to ask you about the prices. Yeah, I mean, I looked at that, and Miami's um, – I think I think, uh, I think, think Miami's catching two and a half at home. So, technically, you have a six-point swing in the total from game two that was in Denver. So, uh, I'm thinking I love the heat. I think they're, they're profitable as home underdogs. I think they're six and three. Uh, but what really caught my eye is that total, and that was uh, 215 and a half, I believe, for game three. It was 216 last night. I had the over. Thank you very much. Um, but no adjustment made for this. Um, I think that uh, the Heat at home will probably – I think people are going to look for a regression. Uh, it's going to go back to being a, a, a slow game. Uh, finals game is going to stay under. I don't think so. I mean, the Heat have been shooting lights out, and they're at home. So I actually kind of lean to the over in game three as well. I think uh, I think we were doing a different podcast uh, earlier for the NBA Finals because you talked about how the Heat shot poorly in game one. You know, the the total okay. dropped, I think it was four points, and you're like, this one's going over. I'm pretty right. sure you gave that out on this podcast. And then, of course, it did. And I think to your point there, Miami being at home, some of those guys that Miami relies on, you've seen all the stats. It's like, oh, we have so many undrafted free agents. Oh, this guy, he's just a shooter. Well, a lot of those shooters that you need to hit big shots, those guys play better at home. And if Miami is going to win the game or be competitive, it seems like the betting market believes they will be. It's going to be a a two-and-a-half-point game, according to Vegas. Uh, Probably would be smart to look at the over again because some of those role players will be knocking down shots. Yeah, and the other thing you can do, and we haven't spent a lot of time on this, but we will, um, especially with football rolling around, is the in-game betting. I mean, I, the first uh, six minutes or so of that first quarter last night, the, uh, I don't know, they were sitting at like 18, 19, 20 points in there. And I was able to get an in-game total like six points lower than what I had bet for the full game. So I just kind of doubled down on it. And, you know, that, you know, I, I'm just going to go on a tangent here. Um, people that are only betting full game sides and full game totals, i.e. not first five, i.e. not in-game, i.e. not strikeout props, those kind of things, those those sort of, I don't what's the word I want, not secondary markets, but uh, unless you're doing that, you're going to lose money. I mean, it's just it's just that simple. The books are too smart. The information's all out there. I mean, to beat minus 110 on full games and uh, sides and totals for 365 days is nearly impossible. Now, I know these people are going to come on Twitter or respond to this podcast and tell me I'm full of shit, but I'm not. No, I mean, it is, especially if you if you are betting, we'll say, like one or two games every day during baseball season, you might be able to do it and do it pretty well for a year. But if you're literally trying to make a lot of money doing it, if you're betting 10 games a night, it's impossible. Oh, I agree with you. I mean, you know, and then again, you know, everybody bets for a different reason. I mean, I have customers, some of them are pretty – pretty serious, pretty, you know, uh, professional people got a lot of money and, you know, they're, they're letting me do their homework for them. But, you know, you have the other end of the spectrum where the people are betting 10 or 20 bucks on a game. Um, they can't afford to pay me to do it, but they don't have aspirations of making a living doing it. So, you know, to lump everybody into one category is probably not fair. So I'll retract a little of that, but not much. 
All right, Dave. So uh, switching gears here to football, football is king. I know you were talking about how you have some NFL and college football stuff you wanted to get out there for the people. Yeah, I'll run through one real quick. And this is like so off the radar, but those are the games you're going to win. Uh, and the game isn't even going to be played till October. But the Florida Atlantic Owls, they're third in the NCAA in returning production, and they bring in Tom Herman. I mean, yeah, I know he's he's had his speed bumps, but now he doesn't have the national attention and the expectations. So I don't love their win total over because they play a tough non-conference schedule. But I can tell you right now, on October 7th, I'll bet all of your money for them to manhandle the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. I mean, Florida Atlantic opens with Monmouth. That's a win. Then they open with Ohio. Then they got Ohio, a team that beat them by two last year in Ohio. So they'll win that. Then they play at Clemson and at Illinois. Then they got a bye week before playing Tulsa. So they're going to be rested and tested. I think barring injuries, that's a cakewalk. That's an early game of the year. And Dave, just uh, a, a question on that. Do you think you look at that schedule that uh, with them playing two good teams and probably going to get beat uh, two weeks before the game that, that could affect maybe what the line look looks like? Yeah, probably not. I mean, it depends how they get beat. You know, if they lose 72 to nothing, yeah. But, you know, teams like Clemson and, you know, I mean, Illinois is not that good, but, I mean, they're going to beat. Well, maybe not. I mean, um, you know, the games probably shouldn't be all that close. Um, and, honestly, I, I would hope that in those games, for my purposes, that, you know, Clemson and Illinois would have 50 to nothing first-half leads and then go ahead and put in um, the B and C and D teams because those guys are still, you know, 6'6", 280, and run four five forties, And that's size and speed that Tulsa doesn't have. So I think that would that would totally tip me to have the Florida Atlantic. But I don't think it's going to matter too much. Have you noticed over the years if, if that is something that's, that's big? Say you have a team that you're looking at the schedule and you're like, oh, game of the year, week three. And, right. uh, you know – they played a pretty tough first two games where maybe most people would think they get beat, but maybe they could really get beat down where it, it might be better to wait to make the bet the week of, or nah, this is, this is money. I'm going to take it now when we're sitting here recording in June and they don't play until September. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, I wouldn't go ahead and put my, my, you, all your money on it because I need to have some for October 7th. Um, I guess maybe uh, I would I would put some on it if it comes out. Well, it's already out. I think every game's out somewhere. I mean, if it comes out in a number that I think is respectable, I would put some on it, and then I would hold back and hopefully, you know, barring injuries, obviously. I mean, that's the that's always the downside and the risk of trying to bet too early. But you know, you got to take the good with the bad. You have to take risks, and you know that's just the nature of the game. I mean, you know, we talk all the time. You can't have everything. You know, I have a couple of pros that I work with, and they're always saying, yeah, but, yeah, but. Well, we have nine of the ten things I want. Yeah, but we don't have all ten. Nine's good for me. And that's kind of the way I, I philosophically look at these things. <laughs> Florida Florida Atlantic should have a pretty good season, uh, and they will kill Tulsa on October 7th. All right, Dave. So there was your college football future, a specific game. Looking at the NFL, you got anything that you're looking at for uh, the National Football League? Yeah, I do. I have the Raiders uh, under seven and a half wins. I mean, I have no faith in McDaniels. I mean, see history. He fell on his face in Denver. He drafted Tebow in the first round. What has really changed? Um, nothing, you know. David Carr in, uh, Garoppolo in. I mean, Garoppolo's largely unproven, uh, likely not physically 100%. 
Yeah, they had Jacoby Myers. He's a nice pick. Uh, an ex-Patriot, but hardly an all-pro. Uh, Waller's gone. I mean, McDaniel says he wants to do things differently than New England did, but I, I don't see it. I mean, he lost the locker room last year. Raiders have the second toughest schedule in their own division. They might not go 500. I'd bet the Farmer under nine and a half wins at minus 650. But even in order to lose that, they'd have to go 10 and seven, which is not happening. They'd have to exceed their win total by three games. Last year, 11 teams with the most difficult schedules, only three or 25% roughly went over their win total. So I really like that one quite a bit. So there you go. Dave giving you a college football future with a Florida Atlantic to cover the spread against Tulsa and then an NFL total future. It's going to take the Las Vegas Raiders under for a win total. Uh, Dave, real quick here before we get out of here, uh, give the people a, a few Major League Baseball plays for the podcast. Do we have to? I think since we set the precedent here, I've okay, been keeping yeah. I've been keeping everything for uh, you know each podcast each month and just kind of seeing how we do as it uh, this year unfolds. All right. Well, I tell you what, I'm, I'm going to go off script and I'm going to give you I'm going to give you one for tonight. I love the Reds' first five tonight. I mean, I, I love that kid Abbott. He, he misses bats. Um, I'll go back to time I didn't have earlier. He struck out ninety batters in in fifty four innings in the minor leagues. I mean, you, you just can't overlook that. His whip was 0.93. I'll throw the Reds bullpen out. I'll take the Reds first five tonight. And if I got to give you a, a plan B, I'll, I'll take Toronto tomorrow with the caveat that no bullshit happens Monday night. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you gave out two there. I'm going to go with one tonight as well. I'm going to give out the Oakland athletics in the first five innings on the run line, plus that half a run. And then uh, the second one, if we're looking at uh, tomorrow night, I think I would go with the Mets and the Braves under the total. And I believe that total right now at DraftKings is roughly nine and a half. So there's your four official plays here for us in Major League Baseball the next couple of nights. Uh, You know, we're going to continue to run through the NBA Finals, Major League Baseball. We're going to try and pepper in some NFL and college football each podcast from here on out, getting ready for football season. But until then, just make sure to download the podcast, share it with friends, rate, uh, leave us a review, uh, and continue to share it. And uh, again, if you want to find any of my stuff on Twitter, it's at Rowdy underscore Razor. Dave's is at Dave underscore Essler. You can find more of Dave's work at pregame.com. But until then, let's continue to win some money. The Winner's Take is your podcast for everything gambling at MadCitySportsZone.com. In the Zone app or wherever you get your podcasts, listen, rate, subscribe. Subscribe.